You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hello, welcome to another episode of Aging Starts Now. I'm Caitlin Green. I'm one of the elder care coordinators here at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. And unfortunately, some of the stories of seniors we hear are those being swindled by scammers. They've been manipulated by maybe a family member or neglected by a loved one. And this happens all too often. But what do you do? What recourse do you have? Well, today we're talking with Renee Bouchelon about about this topic. She's the program director of Adult Protective Services, and we'd like her to tell us more about some possible recourse. Welcome, Renee. I'm so glad to have you on today. Thank you, Caitlin. Glad to be here. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about Adult Protective Services and, and the resource there that you preside? Sure. So um, Adult Protective Services is housed within the Department of Human Services, um, and we call it APS for short. Um, But our staff investigate reports of abuse, neglect, and financial exploitation of vulnerable adults. And a vulnerable adult is someone who is unable to protect themselves due to a physical or mental limitation. APS staff assess the need for protective services, and we connect those individuals to needed services to reduce the identified risk to the adult. We believe that all adults should be safe, valued, heard, and treated with dignity. I'm so glad that you said valued in that. Isn't that that's such a basic right? It dignity. is. I love that too. So something you said piqued my interest. What types of cases do you investigate? Can you go a little bit more into that? Sure. APS investigates allegations of abuse, neglect, and financial exploitation. Uh, We look at abuse. uh, It can come in several different forms, such as physical abuse, emotional abuse, and sexual abuse. Uh, Physical abuse usually involves more extreme forms of harm, including like the infliction of pain, injury, unreasonable confinement even, or other cruel treatment by a caregiver. Sometimes we see marks um, where maybe the, the client is restrained, and we also see bruises, um, and those are the types, types of a physical abuse that we investigate. We also investigate emotional abuse, which involves emotional harm, including the infliction of mental anguish, unreasonable confinement, or other cruel treatment by the caregiver. Uh, This could involve something as simple as degrading an individual to um, causing them great mental anguish. Uh, And then we also have sexual abuse that we investigate, which occurs when a vulnerable adult is forced or tricked into engaging in sexual activity, or we've been seeing a lot of this recently, unfortunately, they are exposed to sexual activity. This uh, type of allegation does not require a caregiver, whereas Physical abuse and emotional abuse does require a caregiver. Um, But for sexual abuse, it doesn't matter the relationship of the alleged perpetrator. As long as the adult is a vulnerable um, adult, we will investigate that. 
We also investigate neglect, and that typically occurs when the basic needs of a vulnerable adult are not met by the caregiver. Uh, Maybe they're not buying their medicines, the electricity may be turned off, they may not have adequate food, um, things like that. Then finally, we also investigate financial exploitation, and that occurs when a caregiver improperly uh, misuses government funds of a vulnerable adult. Um, these funds are paid to that vulnerable adult by a government agency. Some examples of that are Social Security disability, uh, Social Security income, maybe a veteran's pension, or even a state or federal employee pension. You know, Renee, it's really it's sad to think that we um, can have a discussion on cases like this, but I know it does happen. I've experienced this in my professional life as well. And, you know, sometimes it's obvious and sometimes I feel like it's very intentional, but sometimes uh, for me, it seems like there may be some gray or maybe it isn't as clear. You know, what what should our listeners do if they think somebody is being taken advantage of by a friend, a caregiver, a neighbor, or somebody that's trusted? You know, is, is this something where you could remain anonymous and make a complaint? Sure. We will take complaints from anyone. Um, and you're right. Um, abuse, some of these situations, they're all different um, and take many different forms. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes the the caregiver, the caregiver just doesn't have the knowledge or the resources that they need to provide the proper level of care for their loved one. Um, in those situations, you know, we help connect the client and the caregiver to resources and services that may help them. Um, there are other times, of course, unfortunately, the maltreatment is intentional. Uh, but either way, um, APS's goal is to reduce that risk of maltreatment to the vulnerable adult. And um, if anyone suspects a vulnerable adult's being mistreated, uh, we ask that you please call our APS hotline at 1-888-277-8366. Okay. All right. That's good. They can remain anonymous. Good to know. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure, but I, I know sometimes that's appropriate and sometimes it's not. You know, as professionals, um, we're mandated reporters. You know, if if I suspect abuse or neglect or I suspect that something's going on, I am ethically bound to report it and try to get that help. And I'm so glad that um, as a professional, I, you know, I wouldn't have the need to remain anonymous, but I'm glad that it's not just facilitating charges. It's also resources and helping, you know, if it is unintentional or they just don't know or something's gone bad, that, that it's also an advocate service. And I really, uh, I like that. Uh, you talked a little bit about financial exploitation. When, in, Well, I guess whether it's financial or even maybe physical, do you get involved with law enforcement? Like how do criminal charges come about? Sure. So um, every report that we receive, um, regardless if it meets our criteria or not, um, we call that like screen in for an investigation or screen out for an investigation. But regardless of what that outcome is, we notify local law enforcement and the DA's office on all reports, um, whether it be physical abuse, financial exploitation, or neglect. Um, and we do partner with them in some of the investigations. 
We do not, however, help with filing criminal charges. That would be up to local law enforcement or the DA's office. Um, We also partner with the TBI in some situations. Um, And so those agencies are the ones that could help file the criminal charges. Uh, What we could do is help stop the exploitation from from continuing to occur in some situations. So our goal is kind of like stop it, make sure that from now on out they're they're not mistreated. Okay. Yeah, that, that does make sense. So, you know, in, in our work or in our listeners' everyday lives, give me some of the red flags. Like, how, how would I know if I was a listener, um, maybe a sign of abuse? I know you talked about some of the, the um, sexual exploitation or involvement in the environment. Um, how would you know maybe financial abuse? How would you know, you know, the signs? Okay, so a lot of signs um, for financial abuse, um, it's usually um, a change. Um, Typically, you and I, we have a way we bank, right? We know how much money we spend, and, and so do vulnerable adults. They And so a lot of times we'll start seeing an increase in spending, um, and that's a huge red flag. Um, if the vulnerable adult is not aware of their finances, so if they don't know how much they get or, or you know, what bills are being paid, that's another red flag. Um, and we want to make sure that someone trusting is helping them manage those funds. Um, and then other unexplained financial transactions, um, they may get uh, credit card bills from a credit card that they didn't apply for, that kind of thing mm, we gotcha. see. Gotcha. You know, used to you. Of course, I say used to, but I haven't seen it in a while. But I know it's still there. We see the the nightmare cases. We see the the horrible um, details where people have put a nanny cam in the house or in a facility, and then you see uh, somebody abuse them or even just neglect them and ignore them. And uh, is that something that is recommended to have security and kind of stopgap devices like that? for vulnerable adults? Well, I think that any kind of protective devices or services that that people could put in place um, is always a good thing. Uh, we do from time to time see, get copies of those nanny cams, what you're talking about. And we do, that does capture abuse, unfortunately. Um, it's sad, but I know some people have done that and, and been able to figure out um, for example, I, I remember one family, they said that they were concerned because when they would come home, they had an in-home caregiver during the day. And when they came home, um, their loved one was acting out, you know, changing behavior and mood and uh, kind of withdrawn from their usual activities. And so they decided to put up a nanny cam and then they did catch um, the care caretaker, uh, you know, physically abusing uh, mm-hmm. their, their loved one. So um, I do think that's something that could be useful in some situations. Yeah, that terrible. But that makes sense. Like you said, there was a change in this case, specifically with behavior. And they're like, you know, what what doesn't match up here? And unfortunately, it was the worst. But I'd like to think that the the family members who are diligent and care enough to do that investigation or to pay attention and catch it may not be the ones that are causing neglect or harm. But also when you... Um, higher care or when you have a third party, you know, to always be vigilant. Not that I'm, uh, I'm typically a trusting person, but I'm skeptical, you know, just like with everything else and with vulnerable adults, 
it's about quality of life. And I think part of that is to mitigate the risk, don't you? I do. I do. I, anything we can do to, to mitigate that risk because they're already at risk because they're vulnerable. You know, they might not be able to to speak and tell somebody what's going on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think. Tell me, tell me what else I don't know about the work that APS does and with the with vulnerable older adults. Where where do these adults live? Maybe are we talking about in homes or facilities? All right, so we investigate um, pretty much everywhere, whether it's in a in a private home um, or in a facility. We investigate all types of settings. Um, when we get first get a report, um, the and it's a sign for an investigation. We interview the client and also others that may be involved in the client's care. You know, maybe family members, friends, uh, maybe even paid caregivers that are in the home providing care. Um, then depending on the type of allegation, we may consult with the client's physician. Uh, we may request financial records to as- assist with um, investigations of financial exploitation. Um, we intervene whenever we find that an allegation is substantiated. Um, and we inter- by intervention, what I mean is we arrange, we don't really have services at our fingertips, but we do arrange the provision of services with um, a lot of different community partners uh, such as CREVA, uh, Choices, um, op- there's an options program, Meals on Wheels, uh, these type programs. Uh, some of our partners include the Area Agency on Aging and Disability, uh, local law enforcement, as I mentioned earlier, the Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services, and the Department of Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, we notify local law enforcement and the licensing agency when we get reports um, as well. Um, I do want to just point out, it is important to note that adults have rights, so they can refuse services unless the adult lacks the capacity to understand the situation and consent to services. Um, And when an adult does lack capacity and we find that they're in imminent danger of death or irreparable harm, as a last resort, APS can seek court intervention, um, such as custody, to place that person in an appropriate environment where their needs will be met. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. One of the things um, that I really ascribe to one of my values in professional gerontology is informed consent. And I feel like every human being has the right to informed consent. Um, We don't we don't practice our skill on people, you know, kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard when you deal with with vulnerable older adults because they are dealing with their own changes, transitions. Uh, We may be looking at memory care or memory issues or physical health concerns. Of course, everybody's family has their own dynamics. And so there's all these various layers. And that's why I loved when you said value and dignity are part of the goal here because that's ascribing human credibility to every older adult vulnerable or not, ascribing that human credibility and informed consent. And I do think that there are times when, like you say, the court order that we need to step in and help those that are vulnerable and may not have an advocate or a resource. So that that's great to know. That's great to know. That's one of the things that I really um, have clung to over the years and has worked. How long have you been uh, with APS, Renee? I have been uh, with Adult Protective Services about 24 years now. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. Subject matter expert. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's a very rewarding job. I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, Well, and it's uh, sad, but rewarding, you know. Um, Yeah, being able to help people that aren't able to help themselves. um, Yeah. I feel like maybe, uh, you know, when you hear, most people are really familiar with child protective services. You know, you hear hear a lot of stories about um, CPS. But with adult protective services, I feel like uh, sometimes it's, people link it with criminal charges, maybe, you know, that we had, we had to call APS. Well, really from my desk, I look at it as another link in the team that you may be able to have access to immediate resources that I as a gerontologist may not. And so I'm like, I'm like you, you said there have been times where I have called on APS to help me find a resource or to help me step in before there's a problem, before there is abuse, before there is neglect, or even just to prevent it and mitigate those risks. So I have found it to be a very positive educational tool. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Thank you for sharing. Of course. That's why we're friends. <laughs> well, that's so great. Renee, I love that um, that you're willing to come on and be with us. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about the department or just your experience? Um, just that, uh, you know, APS staff, we're here to protect um, our vulnerable adults, um, and we encourage everyone to um, actively engage in preventing and reporting um, adult abuse. Um, people don't often want to admit that they're being abused. Uh, the signs of elder abuse may not always be evident, uh, which makes it imperative for friends and family members, caregivers, and even community members, you know, to stay informed and recognize these signs. Um, and if you suspect abuse, neglect, or exploitation of a vulnerable adult, please call us 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-277-8366. That's perfect. I was going to ask you if you would tell me that hotline number again. I need to have that handy. Absolutely. Well, that's it for today's episode. Take us McGinnis Elder Care Law is a life planning law firm. We help families respond to the legal, financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com. Document downloads, the Take Us McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there, free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging starts now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.